Hello everyone and welcome to the podcast. Very pleased to say it's another former Cheltenham Town player, Jack. Now Jack, your surname, Damon or Demon? How do you pronounce it? It's pronounced Damon. Damon, but, um, yeah. Yeah, no, I've lived, I've lived my life with it being pronounced <laughs> Demon and obviously, uh, yeah, Tannoy's at football games have always, have always been Demon, so I've just got to the point where I don't correct people now. So. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Well, we'll call you Jack Damon though. I think that's um, the only right thing to do. And you said it on the phone to me actually when you called up just checking you got my house, which was yeah. We're now sat in my kitchen having a cup of coffee. Great to see you. And I think it's interesting preparing for this because I've interviewed former Cheltenham Town players, mentioned John Finnegan, Finners, who's head of marketing at the, the club now, and people like Shane Duff, Michael Duff, the current manager. But obviously it's a different because they're either older than me or, or my age, late 30s. And you think actually, I anticipate the same thing, but then realise you're only 26, but you've compacted a lot into your, your time, but you're now, you're now working in, as a, a sort of nutrition for a nutrition company. How, how is life? Yeah, no, it's 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 good. It's probably taken a bit of an unexpected turn. Um, I think growing up, all I wanted to be was a footballer, and was lucky enough to obviously have the opportunity to do that for for a number of years, and 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 playing for a number of good clubs as well. Mm. Um, so I think I think naturally, I I probably always just thought I would be playing football for for a career and then doing something afterwards, which obviously hasn't hasn't happened. But then. Um, yeah, taken now into a route into into business, and it's good for me that the the company that I'm working with is is heavily based in professional sports, and obviously professional football is a is a mainstream of that. So does it's that nice. give you extra weight? Do you think as a former professional footballer to, to go into to, to sports clubs and and offer nutritional kind of advice and, and supplements? Yeah, definitely. I think um, from speaking to the to the MD when I when I first started working for Nutrition X, um, it was almost like an added bonus for him. Um, mm. it, it was very clear what my role was going to be. It's, it still is a young and, and developing company. Yeah, um, working with yeah the, the best in the world basically um but for him having someone who has got the background of, of being in professional sport and like i say in, in involved in football is an added bonus like you say i can go into clubs i can speak to the snc coaches the nutritionists i've, I've sort of almost been there and done it from both sides i've, mm. I've played so i know the importance of, of using products and supplements and and the nutritional value of things uh, but then now from a business point of view i can sort of lend that to be sort of saying to these people I've done both, so it's a yeah. bit of a win-win for us, really. So it's been, you said, a year since you, you last played at Gloucester City, another local club to the area we're sat in, we're sat in Cheltenham at the moment. Um, how's it been that year? And if you, if you miss football, you miss playing the regularity of it, and do you still train to still keep fit? Yeah, so still still keep fit. Um, I've always sort of been uh, quite a keen runner, so mm. long distance has always been something that I'm interested in, um, and it's almost been a little bit of a... A family battle as such. My my dad's done three London marathons, um, and he's set a time that he's always tried to do sub three hours and and not quite got there. I guess as a footballer, you're not really allowed to do that, are you? Things like that. No, it's, it's the, sort of not really part of not really part the, of natural training. I mean, because the impact you get and things. Yeah, um, off season, I I always found it hard to to switch off and not do anything. Mm. Um, I'd normally allow myself sort of say a week from the end of the season just completely switch off yeah. but then after that I started feeling lethargic and it just it wasn't <laughs> sitting right with me so at that point that's when I started ramping that's up That's a psychological like effect of, of exercise isn't it? Yeah. It keeps your mind ticking over. Yeah definitely. Uh, so I, I then started ramping up more long distance runs at that point um, and yeah just found a bit of a, a bit of a knack for it. I think it's always been a bit of a running joke whatever club I've been into. Um, you pro- I probably go in and people don't think I can necessarily run as quickly as for over a long distance <laughs> as, as what I can. Because you're like six three, tall, yeah. tall guy, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's it's always a, I've had a few sort of funny names thrown at me when I've been when we have been running, but it's always yeah very quickly people <laughs> have realised that uh, that I'm half reasonable at doing it. So um, 
yeah, I, I probably am gonna. I'm still, like I say, still training, still, still going to the. But gym. They still do a lot of long runs, long runs at clubs because obviously when I was a kid, it, it was kind of almost people said with sports science, it was starting to be phased out. It was more sort of shuttles, more game specific stuff with balls. Or was, is there still that pre season, you know, gut wrenching long runs and everything? I think it's dependent on it's dependent on the coach, yeah, uh, and the management and the staff. I mean, I've I've worked with some people and it is just brutal, like really? it's almost cross like country camp and yeah, just. Hard, really hard work. Uh, but no, I, I, I would agree. I think a lot of it is phasing out now, and it is a lot more game specific. And I think there's that been that many that many more advances in sort of technology and obviously all the GPS. I guess it's a bit like boxing. Like people say, because I do a lot of work in boxing, they say, why do you get up at five in the morning to run when you deny yourself possibly sleep? But a lot mm. of boxers I speak to say it's psychological to force yourself mentally through a tough, tough thing. And I suppose yeah. there is an argument that bonding a team together over a long pre-season runs even if it's not specific to football the fitness you need maybe it it brings people together and, and, and kind of mentally toughens them yeah I think there is definitely that element it's it sort of you you naturally know that when the manager or the staff say you're going to be doing this run there are going to be a lot of roads <laughs> and a lot of people that aren't going to do it but in many ways obviously then you then drag a lot of people trying to get a taxi through. halfway around or exactly yeah. yeah or you'll yeah someone will have picked up a slight knock from the morning session or something <laughs> and they won't be able to do it but um yeah, I think there is, there is an element of obviously people just come together and, and do it. But um, yeah, I'd say more so it is, it's being phased out and, and more um, game-specific work mm. is, is being put into pre-season. Do, do you miss the dressing room though? Do you miss playing? Yeah, I definitely miss the dressing room. Um, I've been involved in, in quite a lot of good in good character dressing rooms, some not, not as good. Mm. Um, but yeah, the ones where, you, where you've got a really good group and... I mean, I've moved about quite a lot, obviously, from playing for various clubs. And it's nice because you go in and you automatically get... 20, yeah. 25 best mates that you're with all the time and you can have a laugh with so yeah definitely miss that it must that. have been quite hard actually for you because you, you, we go through your, your career but you've moved in the space up to the edge of 25 several clubs mm. and that must have been quite hard to, to break those friendships sometimes yeah I mean luckily enough kept friends with, with a lot of people that, that I've um, played with along the way um, mm. I think naturally obviously you but it's easier now with, with smartphones and, and social media and stuff isn't it and perhaps yeah. it was sort of 20 years ago yeah definitely that, that being able to connect with all those people and, and, and it's nice because obviously everyone's in the same boat mm. everyone's like minded they're going through the same thing they've got the same sort of goals and ambitions and whether that's individually or, or coming together as a team it's, it's, it's weird because you're kind of competing with them as well aren't you but then you've got the empathy of, of knowing where they're yeah, position they're in as well. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I got told when I was very young that if you if you get the shirt, then keep it. And it's sort of one of those things where yeah, you might then be you might then be competing against your best mate in the dressing room, but it's it's you or him type of thing. Yeah. Um, but I think it's just, that's just all healthy competition within within the football dressing room. And at the end of the day, people want the team to do well. So if they're, sure. if they're winning, then you can't really complain. And you began so you began you born in London in Camden in North London, I believe, and mm. you said you lived in Hampstead. But then your your parents sort of incrementally moved further north and you wound up as a schoolboy at Wrexham but actually considering you're only 26 now you're relatively late into the picture at Wrexham weren't you? Yeah so um, I had a, a year at Wigan as, a, as an under 14 which was cut very short into the season I think I'd only played three or four games and ended up sliding into a goalpost clearing a ball off the line and um, did quite a lot of damage to my knee ligaments at that point which ruled me out for, for the entirety of that season um, mm. and then yeah left, left there and, and went into Wrexham um, and ended up doing two two years as a schoolboy, uh, and then a two year apprenticeship with them before I moved on from there. Wow! So yes, yeah, so you did did Wrexham, and then you went to Birmingham City just after they won the League Cup in in twenty eleven. So they were kind of playing European competition despite being in the in the Championship as well. What was what was that experience like at Birmingham? Yeah, it was uh, my first year, especially was was unbelievable. Um, yeah, like you say, going from a, a YT at, at Wrexham 
um, to then being involved in yeah, a Carling Cup winning team and admittedly a lot of the players that season left I think it was 15 of the first team yeah which gave you an opportunity I guess exactly yeah um, I, I was basically within the space of about a month in and around the first team training with them on a regular basis um, and even looking at the calibre of player that are still there um, Nathan Redmond Jack Butland mm. Curtis Davis Marlon King they're not the sort of names that you would associate with with a, a sort of skinny seventeen year old lad coming from from Wrexham as a as a youth team player. Um, so the experience for me was was unbelievable. And obviously working with Chris Hutton, who was manager at the time, um, and his coaching staff was Paul Trollope and Colin Calderwood. He might be coming back, Chris Hutton, might to Watford soon as well. I'm talking about yeah. Yeah, um, I've I've got on with Chris. I worked with him obviously for that year, but still would keep in contact with him and, and good friends with Key and his son and. Um, yeah, just a genuinely one of the nicest people I think mm. I've ever met in football. Um, it's quite rare to come across that type of person, but just from from day one, had a genuine interest in in who I was, who my family were, how I was settling in, all that sort of stuff. So he was a he was a massive part as to why I enjoyed my time with Birmingham. You didn't think you'd get in at Birmingham, did you? Because you were talking to Norwich at the time. You had a trial match at Birmingham. Didn't go too well, thanks to Harry Kane. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, was toying between the two um, at, at the time between Norwich and, and Birmingham, and the, I think there was a conversation with Celtic in the background as well. Um, I did pretty much said to myself, leaving Wrexham without then having a club, and obviously being in a fortunate enough position to go on trial with both of those was sort of almost whoever offers me first, I'm gonna, I'm yeah. gonna go for. Yeah, which turned out to be Norwich. Um, but then, yeah, Birmingham, Birmingham sort of had a had a conversation with them and it was just off the back of that I, I just thought it was a be- better opportunity at the time to like say be involved in a first team setup and playing with those sort of players so in many ways taking advantage of, of Birmingham City's disadvantage of being relegated and mm. the players leaving and obviously the financial constraints that they had at the time with with the owners um, but like I say as a, as a young lad it was then perfect for me to to go into it and be part of that setup. And Kane scored a hat trick against you in that trial match, but and he was the same age as you, isn't he? You he had is, yeah. A little bit of experience of training with him as well. Yeah. In the past, what did you make of him? Did you did you get a sense? Did you when all the players you look at now that you came through? Did you get a sense of those guys that perhaps were going to stand out from the pack? Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. I, I trained with them a couple of times um, with with Tottenham, and and you could just tell it was almost like there was a different aura around him, even mm. in the dressing room. It was Is it, it a focus. I think so. It just it was. I think it was that they, he just seemed to have so much drive around him that he, he wouldn't let anything stand yeah. in his way of getting to where he wanted to be. And arguably, he's, he's well. It's funny because he's, he's a big, strong, muscular lad. He's done a lot of physical work, clearly. But a lot of us who never made it professional, played semi pro, we say, "Oh, I wasn't blessed with the pace to make it professional." Whatever you give yourself excuses, but then you look at Harry Kane and think. Actually, he hasn't got remarkable physical attributes, mm. but he's made himself into a, a fearsome prospect, hasn't he? Yeah, and I think that that just comes from, like I say, the way that he was. Just even that, even when he was when I was had that experience around him, there was nothing that was going to stand in his way. He he was just completely driven to reach what whatever he wanted to do. And mm. I don't think you can get much higher than being England captain. And was he an Arsenal fan then or not? Because it was that rumor, wasn't there? Yeah, I, it, it was. A, I think it was a little bit later on uh, in his career. Obviously, like, there's that photo yeah. of him in the Arsenal. <laughs> so I didn't ever, didn't ever, no, get to get to see that exposure of it. But um, it's funny how that works. Like Jamie Carragher was an Everton fan, wasn't yeah, he? Liverpool, Liverpool legend. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, but you take the opportunities where they come. I suppose it's a message. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I think it's it's that ruthlessness to to put who you support aside and, yeah. <laughs> and pave a career for yourself. So, so from Birmingham, they were playing in the Championship uh, then, and, and was it difficult to get a breakthrough? And then you ultimately went out on loan to to a club like Cheltenham, wasn't it? Yeah, um, so went into the, went into my second season and uh, with Birmingham. Obviously, 
Chris then left and, and went to Norwich of all places. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Lee Clark came in and, and was involved was involved in the first team setup. Went to the preseason tour with Austria. Yeah. Um, and then I think it was probably being able to look back at it now and being sort of critical of myself. There were things that I would have done differently as to, yeah. as to what I did at the time. But when you're in the moment, you probably think that you know best. And yeah, was it was it a co- was it confidence issue or was it just delivering in certain moments? Because it is it's a fickleness to it. We're talking about it, and it, it's in my industry, probably in a lot of industries, where you need a boss who who fancies you, picks you, and, and almost elevates you. Because there's a lot of people at a similar level, isn't there? In lots of industries. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I, I think it was I think it was just the fact that I probably wasn't performing as much as I as what as where I potentially could have been. Mm. Um, but then I, at that point, probably wasn't looking at myself closely enough. I was probably trying to make excuses as to why things then weren't working out for me. Yeah. Um, which inevitably then, like you say, there were people that were around my, around my age, a couple of years younger that were coming through and, and they were just, they were performing. So they naturally got picked ahead of ahead of myself, which was hard to take at the time um, because you looked at it and sort of think you can almost see the opportunity slipping whilst, whilst you're still yeah. in it. Um, and you probably had that little bit of a back, but uh, sorry, the, the background thinking. Well, I'm at Birmingham City. There's always somewhere I could go elsewhere. But it's almost mm. like say, once you're in that mindset, you've already missed the opportunity that that was sat in front of you. So you said about because you're obviously a well-spoken guy, especially for a 26-year-old. But you were almost overthinking it at that time, you're overly analytical. Which you talked about Harry Kane's focus that perhaps that sort of you don't want to think too much, do you? As a as a professional sports person. Yeah, I think a lot of the things that happen on the pitch they they happen naturally. Um, and yeah, it's when you do so when you do start overthinking it, that's when there is going to be more issues uh, that that come into your game. So, yeah, being brutally honest with myself, especially in that second season, I probably just wasn't good enough for for where I know I could have been, and and what obviously the what the management staff were looking for. Yeah. Um. So then, yeah, went on, went out on loan to Cheltenham. Um. They were in the the midst of a playoff battle. Um. I think it was the season before they got to the final. Yeah. And they lost the crew. When Nick Powell scored that goal at Wembley, so they were League Two trying to get into League One again. Yeah. So they've been in League One a few years before that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so they were coming back up, and then they'd had a good second. Se- they had the second. The season afterwards was a was a good going well for them. Like I say, in the playoffs again, um, and I was sort of brought in as a little bit of cover for for the players at the time. I think Stevie Elliott was there, who was obviously getting on a little bit, coming to the end of his career. Michael Hector was unknown from Reading, mm. um, but it was quite a, it was quite a small. So club. much flux. At that level, isn't it? I'm surprised mm. when you when you sort of cover Cheltenham a little bit since we moved to Cheltenham four, five, six years ago. It's just going to the games as well and and seeing that the, everyone's one, two year contracts and is it? Yeah, it's quite hard, I suppose, in a way as a newcomer into that situation to get traction. Yeah, you you have to prove your worth sort of straight away, really. Um, and then I think from yeah being being a younger younger player, it sort of works one of two ways. You're either given that opportunity because the club might have a limited budget, so they need to rely on the younger players. Or you're sort of there as a bit of a backup, which was my situation for the older, more experienced players that were sort of going to grind out the horrible one nils yeah. that were going to get you three points. But it's difficult so. to develop when you're not playing, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I was a fortunate, in a fortunate position that I would be involved with Cheltenham uh, during the week, and then I'd obviously go to the games, and whether that be being on the bench or in the squad, but sort of the 18th man or whatever it may be. But then I was going back and I was playing for the under 21s with Birmingham. Oh, okay. During geographically, week, so. that works. It's not too far. The M5 to, to yeah, the, yeah. I was still I was still living in. Um, I was living in, in Solihull at the time so I was travelling down with Darren Carter who lived down the road from me who was at Cheltenham so mm. I mean it was perfect for me wasn't driving wasn't, yeah. <laughs> wasn't covering any expenses was being involved in a first team setup and then still playing football for, for Birmingham under 21 so it was nice. yeah ideal situation um, but I think at that time my game probably changed more so because I was involved in, in a 
more of a probably a scrappier league yeah. than obviously the championship. Well, that's the thing too. is, is it different with going through the levels in football? There is a different approach, particularly with defence, isn't it? You look at the Premier League and almost you can't tackle, whereas it's still quite dare I say agricultural in the in the yeah. Too. I mean, one thing that will that will always stick in my mind, and uh, I don't know it's very cliche, but you get big strong centre halves in League Two and they head it and kick it. Yeah. I didn't want to be one of those types of players. <laughs> I I like the fact of being able to play out from the back. I think Michael does try to play out from the back a bit now. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm 100 all for it, and I think it's probably yeah that, that modern football style where people take risks and and that's yeah. what I try to do. Probably that's probably got me in hot water a few times when when I was. But it's harder as well it. because the players don't give you the time, do they? As well. Well, that's the difference I think With it, there's almost more respect higher up in football they give you a little bit of a break yeah. sometimes yeah and I think it's in many ways it's it's quite a bizarre thing to say but the higher up that you go the easier it is to play because you know that you're always going to have options no matter where you are on the pitch if you've got the mm. ball and you've got two or three opponents near you you know you've got an option to make a pass even if it's a simple yeah because the players ball. around you aren't used to receiving it from the centre half they're not going to exactly. necessarily make a, make a move exactly so um yeah, going from training training at Birmingham, playing in those 21s games where it was very much football focused, it was get the ball down, pass it, and then obviously it was only training with the first team, so there wasn't the, the physical element mm. of it, but then going from that into a, I think Cheltenham were just inside the playoffs at the time, but there were yeah. quite a few teams that were ebbing for, that, for, for those places to get into the playoffs, it was very much a, right, we need to win, I don't yeah. care how you win, we win. So <laughs> That must have been difficult with that combination though, because I spoke to Danny Gabadon, and he was talking about managers... And we were talking about why sometimes players or teams get obsessed with playing out, playing out from the back. And we were talking about Tottenham at the time, just helped come off the North London derby and trying to play out from their six-yard box, almost from goal kicks against Arsenal. And he said that actually for players it's difficult to, to mesh styles and tactics. Mm. So for you individually, you were going between two extremes. Yeah, I mean, I think it was one of my first sessions with Cheltenham. We were doing a little bit of, um, I think it was bef- must have been before a game, so we were doing some shape work. And we were just getting some balls played up to us just to get our timer for some headers. And, and there was one in particular I went and headed. I managed to... Headers never been my strong point at yeah. the six foot three. It's quite bizarre. But um, managed to get... Like John Stones. Yeah, yeah, managed to get quite a good connection on it. And uh, and it went went pretty much half the length of the pitch. And there was just an echoing roar from behind me, which was Stevie Elliott just going, like, love that. They can't score from there. And it was almost like... They can't score from I would there. never have heard that from where I was yeah, coming yeah. from. But like I say, it's sort Put of... Put it shows, in the channels and all yeah, that stuff, yeah. Um, but I mean, admittedly, we then went and I think it was we played Exeter away the next the next game and went and won one nil and secured a place in the playoffs. So it's one of those where yeah, it obviously worked at the time. Unfortunately, then we got beat by uh, Northampton Town um, in the semi final of the playoffs mm. um, in the home and away leg. So it didn't sort of quite come to fruition for us then. But but you wound up as a Cheltenham player permanently at some point, didn't you? Yeah. So I then I then. Um, Went back to went back to Birmingham off the the end of the uh, off the end of the loan deal. Um, so what year was this? 2012, 2013? Yeah, I think it was around it was around then. Um, and I then went to Stevenage to go on trial for a little period, uh, training with them. And what and league was they? League two. They were League One at the time. League one. They were League One at the time. So yeah, trained there for about six weeks or so, um, and it sort of just came to an end really it looked quite positive at, at, at times I was there for longer mm. than any other trialist that was in there and I think all the players sort of came a bit accustomed to the fact they thought I was staying and then who was just, the manager at that point? Uh, Graham Wesley was in charge yeah. Um, and yeah just didn't didn't happen for whatever reason then went straight down to Torquay who had League 2 um, and everything again seemed seemed positive with that 
um, was there for, for quite a while, really enjoying it, uh, but then unfortunately tore my ankle ligaments the day before yeah. the start of the season. It's a bit like moving around as a kid at different schools, isn't it? It must be challenging at the time, but do you think that, that process of trying to reintegrate itself to, to new situations, it strengthened you? Yeah, definitely. I think um, I look look at it now, now I've come out, come sort of away from the football side of it, and it's yeah, 100% life lessons and, and mm. sort of just being able to adapt to different situations in the world. And I, even just to the, in the sense of living north and south, I think yeah. there's so much so much difference from being in London as there is to Chester, where I, you know, <laughs> where I grew up, that the people are different. It's just a different what, What's lifestyle. the difference with people? They're just... Karma up north, or yeah, little probably just a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more yeah. laid back. I was up in Manchester the other day. A friend of mine had a um, there was a charity match that I went up to uh, to support him in that, and yeah, just bizarre things. I was walking down the street with my with, with my kids in the push chair, and <laughs> whilst I was walking to the game, and people like people were like saying hello to you as you're walking past. Yeah. And I'm like that doesn't happen when you're down south. No, so. No. Sometimes you've got a country walk, people do. I know yeah. it's that around this area. We, I grew up in Malvern and we'd go for a walk on the Malvern Hills. And um, yeah, people say, oh, say good afternoon to you. It's very strange. It was like an yeah. etiquette. And I think you get that a little bit in the Cotswold Hills as well. So it's strange yeah. how there's a, there's a time and place, but not, not generally. And particularly in London, everyone's head down, aren't they? Because I think they're overwhelmed by yeah. having 7 million people around yeah. them or whatever. It might yeah, there's so much going on living in the rat race. But um, yeah, no, I think, I think definitely from, from moving around the country and I've always seemed to have done quite well in trial situations. So I mm. think that definitely has built, when I was young, when I was a lot younger at schoolboy level, I got rejected by near enough every club in the Northwest because mm. I wasn't quite ready at that point. Um, so at a young age that probably had You need that experience possibly. Yeah. Um, so I was used to being sort of rejected and having to deal with that and then try and bounce back. And I think there are probably numerous times when my dad was definitely a driving force in wanting me to be a footballer. He mm. was, he was, on the cusp of, of being one, I suppose it was different back then in terms of um, trials and whatnot. But yeah, he was he was a Midlands lad and he was um, involved with Aston Villa, but didn't quite make it. So it was almost I didn't have a choice what I was going to do. I was gonna, yeah. I was going to be a footballer. <laughs> so um, was that like seventies? Was it or something like that? Or um, yeah, so he was born in the in nineteen sixty. So he would have been yeah yeah seventies early early eighties would have been trying to get into sure. that environment. Um, I think there probably would have been numerous conversations between him and my mum when my mum was like, <laughs> it's probably a bit too much now, like he's been rejected from clubs all this time and it's yeah, not going yeah. anywhere. But the persistence of, of my dad and, and then that's probably then been embedded in me that you just don't take no for an answer and keep knocking on the door and obviously eventually happened at, at Wrexham. Um, but yeah, then from moving around and playing with clubs, like I say, just life experience now going mm. into business or just, just everyday life, I think is definitely, is definitely will have helped me. Have a sip of your coffee as well, because yeah, I don't want to get too cold. <laughs> but um, since, yeah, because I moved around a lot as a kid, actually. I was born in, in London and we moved Cardiff, Norfolk, and out to the West Indies. Because my dad was a doctor. He worked as an anaesthetist in, the, in an island called Grand Turk in the Turks and Caicos Islands. And we came back to Norfolk and moved to, to Malvern up the road here. And so I lived all over the place and then lived in London as an adult and then back in Cheltenham. So it's, it's interesting because you get a sense of, of, of kind of being comfortable, being uncomfortable as well in new situations, don't you? Although you don't have that fierce identity that a lot of people have around their, their hometown, which is quite interesting. I went to a thing in Sirencester, uh, This Country um, TV show live podcast, and it was interesting because everyone's like proper like Gloucestershire, you know, yeah. this is us sort of thing. And it's, it's, it's interesting because you have a sort of detachment, don't you? You learn to observe people, I think. Yeah, no, definitely. It's just taking in different cultures of the way that the way that people go about their lives. It's um, and then yeah, you, you probably you spend time in that area and you probably start to adapt yeah. those to your life subconsciously. And then <laughs> yeah, you'll go back and see friends or family in a different part, and they're like, "What's happened to you?" So, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, because you've got you got a neutral accent, haven't you? You haven't got to. Uh, yeah, it's probably friends. probably a, li- a little bit. Yeah, I get told it's probably more northern when I when I go back up 
when I go back up there, quite a lot of my friends are, are scousers, so certain yeah. words will start having a little bit of a time to it, which <laughs> I always get it in the net for. Um, but yeah, probably a little bit more northern, just because I spent, I've lived there for 15 years, like I say, just well, It's funny, it's such a small time. country, really, aren't we? In America, it'd just be all the same state, yeah. so everyone would say the same yeah. thing, but so much variety in, yeah. in England. It's interesting you mentioned your kids, though, because in the backdrop of all of this happening, when you start at Cheltenham, on the permanent situation as well, you have already become a father haven't you so all about that time you you found your partner and yeah and she already had a child so it's you kind of started on that route that must have I guess given you something to almost a pressure but almost a focus as well yeah I think it's it's quite common really uh that you see a lot of footballers that that start start a family young and I think mm. a lot of managers probably like the fact that they do because they're settled and they, they yeah. just sort of then crack on with, with playing football um but yeah so I had had uh I had Myla, who's now six, when I was at Cheltenham, um, and then Theodora, my second daughter, came in, in the second second season there. So she was born on on New Year's Day, which was bizarrely enough the only the only New Year's Day that <laughs> I've played football that we haven't had a game. Oh right, so um, that was easy. Yeah, that was a little bit easier. We we players playing... do the sign of the times that now taking time off, don't they, around having a kid? Which that's what, when I was a kid was very rare to hear. Yeah, that, so, yeah, yeah. No, we we like I say we we. Every season leading up to it had always had a game on, on New Year's Day. Um, she was due on the 5th of January and we were playing Oxford on the 3rd. Um, but yeah, she, she came on she came in the early hours of, of New Year's Day, so it, at least wow. I didn't have to miss a game. But then I was involved in the Oxford game. Which that's quite a good birthday, isn't it? Because Christmas you always feel sorry for people, but New Year's Eve to New Year's Day, because everyone's partying, that's quite a nice, yeah. nice one to have your birthday, I think, when she gets older. Yeah, I mean, she's a typical Cheltenham girl now. She loves going to the races <laughs> on, the, on New Year's Day races. So she we went last year and she, she really enjoyed it. So... I think that might end up being probably a little bit of a tradition for her, but yeah, when she then gets older, then yeah. I'm sure there'll be combined New Year's Eve parties <laughs> and birthday parties all thrown into one. So, but did it did it make you think? Because obviously you're only 26 now. Some people might still be soldiering on in, in football at that time. Did it give you a a time frame for you thinking I want to give this a shot for a certain period? How was your partner about things? Was she she was all because I know it's difficult because even in my career, my wife, you know, there was times when I didn't know what it was going to make it as a sports broadcaster that your wife has to support you yeah no she 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 was very supportive with it i mean she uh she stood by me as i went through sort of especially the latter stages of the career sort of club to club on a, on a season basis and mm. it was always in my head i always thought i'll be able this is the season i'm going to get back into full-time football and then everything's just going to look after yeah. itself and, and whatnot but then obviously there does become a realization that it might not then happen um i suppose even though i've not been playing for a year now i I look at it and go, would I get back into it? And if I did, I would probably still go in with the mindset of thinking I can be a professional footballer again. Yeah. Um, how realistic that is, <laughs> probably, probably well, what not. What would you do? Much, you have to be interested because you could get a phone call, couldn't you? Potentially. Yeah, potentially. I mean, I mean I've mean, i had, uh, like I say, about a year out now and I've had numerous offers even within that year up to the point of a couple of a couple of weeks ago I had a, I had an offer to go back into it at semi-professional level. Still of a good, of a good standard. Yeah. Um, Do you think you could combine semi-professional with your job now? Would it be training, what, Tuesday, Thursdays and, and playing Saturdays? Yeah. Um, or would you not want to once you've been at the, the top level? It's difficult. It, I think that, that was one thing that I did find difficult when I when I dropped out of professional football going into that semi-professional side of it. Mm. Um, I was in, like I say, fortunate enough position that I'd played for Birmingham City. The stadium was obviously, they were effectively still a Premier League team. The, the mm. training ground, the facilities, everything they were exposed to, and then, like say, the fact that we were in the Europa League for the first year, it, it was a premiership team. Yeah. So going from that to then probably going into semi-professional and it's not quite run as much as you would like it to be, I, I probably didn't adapt to well enough. Yeah. Um, and I, I think pro- from that probably started 
fallen out of love with the game a little bit. Mm. Um, and I'm probably still in, if I'm being honest, in that transition period now where I don't really watch much football anymore. Um, so it's kind of like getting out of your system a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought because football had been my life, I was being taken out of school to go and train with, with Wrexham once I'd signed for them. Every sort of Tuesday I was out training with the U team, catching mm. up on schoolwork and my mum was sort of... Uh, making sure that I then did catch up on it because she wanted me to... She she always, had, I think, had aspirations for me to go to college and, and do yeah. well academically because I'd always sort of shown that I was quite intelligent at school and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, that, that obviously didn't didn't happen <laughs> and she didn't get her way, but she made sure that I, I still, yeah, did did well with school. and, and had It must, be, must be hard, though, because we had... Um, well, I went to Loughborough University and we thought it was great to be playing in this football club at Loughborough. There was eight teams and... But we had a, a roommate who, uh, or a housemate in the end, and he played at Blackburn and he'd been there. As a, as, he was a few years older than us, but he'd been a teenager when Alan Shearer was there. And he mm. marked Alan Shearer in training. He was 15, 16, a couple of sessions and stuff like that. So for him, playing at Loughborough, he'd play for one year on scholarship. Then he just floated out of it. He didn't want to, to play anymore. And I think for him, he said it was just hard to take that seriously after he'd been you know, mixing with people like Shearer and Sutton and stuff at Blackburn. Yeah, I think, I think that, that was an element. And it almost became... I got to the last, probably when I when I rejoined Gloucester um, and there's probably the season before when, when I was at Hereford and we won the league, so it was all... It was so all... What, what happened at Cheltenham then? Because there are a few Cheltenham Town listeners to the podcast, so what, what happened in that period when you were permanent? Who was manager and, and what, how did it play out? So the, the, the guy that brought me back in as permanent was Mark Yates, yeah. who um, had taken me on loan originally. Um, and I think the season, that season where, where I sort of missed out, so from being on loan and then obviously there was the season I wasn't involved and then coming back to being, to being full time with them then was, uh, I think they struggled in that season, which was, which was difficult because they had had two prior seasons to being in the playoffs, like I say, the final yeah. one year, semi-final the next and, and wasn't quite there. And I think people went into it hoping that the third year might be the mm. time that they then go back up. And but there was still a lot of change in that time, wasn't there though, because of... Other leagues, other teams in the league, everyone changes players in the summer. It's quite yeah. so much flux in, in League Two. Yeah, that was the thing. And and in that season when I wasn't there, I was down at Torquay at the time when Cheltenham came came to visit. It was one of the early earlier games. And like I say, I'd just done my ankle ligament. So stood stood in the in the tunnel before the game on crutches and I probably ended up only knowing half of the team. And you think that wow. I was only there the season before. Yeah. And I knew only only half of the lads. And a lot of them were the younger players that would have just been kept yeah. there anyway. So some of the more senior players, yeah, had moved on. Such a difference, such a difference that level compared to the Premier League now. I heard Alan Kerbishley talking in a, a podcast about how complicated it would be now to try and um, discipline or make your point to a player on £250,000 a week. And we talked about, um, and people have talked about uh, the situation with Arsenal, with Unai Emery's just been mm. sacked. But the Arsenal players who haven't been closing, you know, particularly the defenders haven't been closing people down who are scoring goals. There's no sanction against them. It seems like in League Two that almost the managers and players are in the same boat. The pressure's still on the managers to get results, but the players almost are playing for yearly contracts as well. So yeah. maybe that is a bit more of a binding force. I don't know. Yeah, I think especially with the the younger players coming through, they they know they've got a year to impress, mm-hmm. and and you would like to think it would be with the same manager. So you have a good relationship with with one with one manager. They're more than likely, obviously, they're going to give you that next year and keep seeing you progress, but. I think yeah, football's such a cutthroat industry that a couple of bad bad results on the bounce and that manager could be gone and then yeah. you're back to square one and, and if that happens towards the end of the season potentially, then you've only got a couple of months to try and prove your worth to someone that's come in and doesn't know anything about you. So yeah. it is it is very cutthroat at that point. Um and there is probably that added pressure to think, Okay, well I am I am playing for my next year and if I'm not then mm. where do I go almost? Um, so what season were you a Cheltenham Town player then? Was that 
2014-15 or was it before then? Um, Trying to think back to what. Yeah, it was. But it's still Yates as manager. So Yates was manager, yeah. Um, and then we got to bizarrely enough, first ten games we were absolutely flying. Yeah. In in and around the playoffs, doing really well. Such a good group of players. Like the hype was 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 great at the training ground. Um, and then yeah, it, it was exactly that. A couple of bad results and and seems to just sit on this downward spiral and nothing we tried would sort of come mm. together would change change formation change personnel just just wasn't working um and yeah from that i think mark got um got sacked around christmas so it was about halfway through the season yeah um which was difficult because all of the players all of the players still loved him at that point yeah um obviously you could understand the board's point of view because we'd started so well and then where we that but i think as a i think players had to take accountability for for that because like I say, we tried different things and it just wasn't working. Um, Fine margins, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and momentum and psychology, yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll always be forever grateful to, to, to Yatesy because he obviously was the one that gave me my debut. Um, quite a sort of fairy tale story in many ways because it was the, the League Cup and it was at Brighton away, which is where my family had then oh, moved yeah. to. So I had a load of people in the crowd and it was sort of got told... <laughs> The day before that, I probably would be playing, and then confirmed on the on the coach when we went to the hotel. Before. Were they a championship team, or they before they got promoted? To yeah, Brighton, they were championship. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, again, caliber of player that you're playing against in my debut. Lewis Dunk was captain. <laughs> Craig McHale Smith. So there was there was a lot yeah, of good players yeah. that were that were involved with them. Um, and then off the, the the week later, then made my football league debut against Wimbledon um, at at Cheltenham, marking Akin Fenway. So it's sort of almost wow. like a what was that like? It was an experience. It was an experience, yeah. Because um, he's only about five eleven, but he's just huge, isn't he? Oh, the circumference of him is like to get close to him. Yeah, really yeah. Um, people were trying to give me advice before the game as to like, don't try and nick it because he'll roll <laughs> you. Don't try and fight him because you're not going to have a chance. And you sort of you try and remember that during the game, but I very, very uh, clearly remember the first thing that happened. Oh, they've obviously done their homework. They know that there's a, an eighteen year old lad. Sorry, a twenty year old lad who's making his football league debut, playing as we were playing three at the back and I was on the right-hand side. So they kicked off, laid it back to their left-back who just played a ball straight up to my, onto my head. And I was thinking, oh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Like, first one, go yeah. in the header, set, settle yourself into the game and sort of out of nowhere, I confirm came from across me and I'm not exaggerating with the, like, the tiniest of touches, absolutely moved me about five <laughs> yards and I remember there's like a, a heavyweight boxer, isn't it? Yeah, like built, even more, even more yeah. So, yeah. And I just I flew like across the pitch, yeah. um, and the players on the on the bench. I was speaking to them at half time. They came in and they were just like, we thought from that moment you were in serious trouble. But what does he so, do? Because he can't be that mobile because he's carrying that much muscle mass. He must just e- execute in certain moments. I it? think I think it's he's probably not given as much credit as what as what he actually is is due. Because yeah. people do look at him just think oh, he's a he's a yeah. big guy, he's strong, he can win headers, but it's. It, his ability with the ball at his feet is, is like very good. Mm. Um, so his hold up play, his linking up, all that sort of stuff is, is taken for granted. Yeah. Um, and that sight is almost seems to create space around him, doesn't it? So it often looks like he's got a free header just because he's, he's managed yeah, to jump I mean, into position. Exactly. I was trying to get near him to try and get above him and wrestle with him. And uh, on many occasions, it's probably our frames being completely different. I'm yeah. so tall and skinny and him being quite a bit shorter than me but stockier was I was managing to win free kicks against him which probably weren't free kicks in reflection <laughs> but it was they just it just made to look like it was side, yeah. Um, so yeah just, I, that was unbelievable experience for me ended up winning man of the match that game and it was almost that was the start of my almost professional career in full, in men's football as such yeah. coming off the back of Birmingham being involved with the development squad um, 
but yeah, that, so that was, like I say, I would always be grateful to, to Mark Yates for giving me that opportunity. But yeah, fell away, fell away towards the, the middle of the season. And I think there was a, a few sort of um, suspect appointments as manager. I think we went through four managers that season. And ultimately then obviously ended up... Four managers? I yeah. remember that. Was that. So this is before Gary Johnson took over, was it? Yeah, so, uh, yeah. so Gary came in at the, at the very end. So he was the fourth one, but we were pretty much, we were down at that point. Wow. So um, what was the problem there with the managers? Were they short-term appointments or were they genuine they I think, managers? I think, uh, well, Paul Buckle came in after Mark, Mark Yates. Yeah. Um, and that, that was only short-lived, didn't, didn't really work. Um, I think a lot of Cheltenham fans have got their opinion of, <laughs> of that appointment. <laughs> and then Russ Milton took over, who's obviously assistant still, now. Still at club. Um, he took over, which I think people, because of his background with the club, wanted him to be the natural shoe-in to, mm. to go in after Yates, uh, which obviously then didn't happen. But a few months later, he came in and brought Stevie Elliott back with him as, as part of the coaching staff, which I think for... Cheltenham's obviously a small town, but a figure like Stevie, still mm. like back involved with the club, was a massive boost. Um, and we, we had a couple of all right games, but I think it almost like it set in at that point that yeah. um, we were almost doomed really for, for relegation. And yeah, it was it was just difficult to try and get out of that mindset really. And then like I say, the, Gary came in and was appointed towards the end of the season, but inevitably we were, we were pretty much down at that point. So you relegated down to the National League or Conference. Yeah. Did you play that season then? No, so I was well. I was there that season, but conversations with Gary. I think he wanted to to reshape his team. Yeah, um, obviously he brought in. But that's even another players. sort of more sort of rugged and and sort of simple game, isn't it? The conference compared to even League Two, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and I think that league is is renowned for being so difficult to get out of mm. that it is very much just a points a points based league. Um, with the business now, we're we're working with a couple of the a couple of the clubs in the conference. Um, Wrexham and, and Solihull Moors are, are two of them working with Notts County as well and did Solihull Moors held Mills did they win last night in the end Solihull Moors they won it up against Rotherham United I don't know. So you, you have to look up the FA yeah. Cup yeah you're asking me yeah. that. <laughs> so. no, I looked at the score I went to bed before finding out actually. yeah, yeah. Um, but no we're, so we're, we're going to be we're going to be announced um, shortly as, as official partner with them for, for the next two years which is great for us Brilliant. because it's come about from um, Ian Hutton that was strength and conditioning coach at Cheltenham he's yeah. now working with Solihull so again, just using contacts that that we've had and, and that I've had from playing, um, helping them with their nutrition now. So, but yeah, speaking to those guys, whenever we're going into to offer our advice nutritionally and, and supplement wise, and you talk to them about results, and and that's all it is. Yeah. It's just a massively results focused league, with it being obviously the one team going up automatic. It's 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 cutthroat to get out of, but you mm. obviously reap the rewards when you, when you do because you get that football league status back. Yeah, a lot of them professionals, aren't they, in the conference, aren't they? What, what happened to you though? Because you went, what, was it Hereford then or was it Gloucester City where you went to after that? So I went to, to Gloucester for a season um, after after Cheltenham. Um, and are they full-time Gloucester City? No, so they were, they were part-time. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, I think it's very well documented, especially in the lo- locally, the troubles that the clubs had obviously mm. after the floods in 2007 and they're still not back at the city. And I think there was real hype over the last two years that it was coming and it was coming. We're playing at Evesham, were they? Yeah. Yeah, so they played, played, yeah, still, still there now, and played there for I think the past couple of seasons. Uh, but obviously, were were ground sharing with Cheltenham for for eight or so years before that. Um, so that was sort of surreal in many ways because I'd come out of Cheltenham, but then yeah. still playing. Well, I played, so, I played under 18s for Malvern Town and Perthshire Town against Evesham United. And that's not you wouldn't, yeah, you wouldn't consider that a kind of high level football ground to to play at. No, I think I think everyone at, at Gloucester as a club is 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 yeah very grateful for Evesham because mm. they've done a lot of work themselves to get the uh, facilities up to scratch for Conference South and, or Conference North level 
um, which they didn't have to do. But obviously Gloucester not as not as well financed as as potentially other clubs in in the league are. Mm. Um, and it was very much we, we were always the underdogs because you were going into teams, especially that first season, the likes of Stockport, Darlington, Salford had just come up at that point. So there were big teams that were <laughs> spending in spending money, yeah, exactly. And, and Gloucester had a very small budget. So they um, played National League North, were they Gloucester? Or yeah, so, so even though they're quite, it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because obviously, I think Worcester always played National League North. It's just up the road, but. You imagine that Gloucester might be in the south. That's a lot of long trips for a, a part-time club. Yeah, it is. Um, I think, in many ways, the south was probably, in my opinion, from playing in both, the south was always probably the slightly more technical league. That was mm. where teams wanted to get it down and play, and more London-based teams. And the north was sort of quite a bit more go and grind out three points. Yeah, and, and, and more a more physical league. Basically, you play places like Lancaster and stuff, and yeah, just all yeah. all over. And you're traveling. I think Blythe Spartans are in that league now, so you've got a lot of long trips to, to sort of contend with. Um, but funny enough, I then went on loan to Salford during that during oh, that right. season with Foster. Like? Um, unbelievable experience. Um, it was all part of the revolution of the Manchester United old boys. Yeah, completely out of the blue almost. Um, I was yeah we we were, we were doing reasonably well with Gloucester. And we played Salford actually the opening game of the season up at Moor Lane, mm. um, and they'd had uh, Bernard and Jono were were managers at the time. Obviously, it was off the back of them doing the documentary. Yeah. And, and whatnot, um, which funny enough, the time when I was there, part of that was was then filmed. So <laughs> even that was bizarre, having like a, a cameraman in the training so you're in that before. You, yeah, There's yeah. a few games that that I was there for. Yeah, so I signed on a on a month's basis with a view to a permanent, which we just it couldn't agree terms um, mm. off the back of it. But went into Salford and, and loved it. Um, there was were you living up there? No, the- so I was doing. I was travelling up. Um, yeah, bizarrely enough, Tuesday, Tuesday and Thursday evenings. So I was, I was leaving, I was leaving the house in Cheltenham at half one to get get up there for training at seven. So um, you couldn't really work though, could you? Doing that, that's the thing. No, not 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 here, not, not in this area. No, no, and at that point, I was still very much. This is going to be a season of playing semi professionally before I get back into full time. So it was okay at that point. Did you have the same agent throughout this process? Yeah. Yeah, um, I've worked with him from from day one. Really, um, mm. got a great relationship. Even though obviously, I'm not playing now. Still, still speak to him regularly. Um, and he almost he, he's become a friend more so than than an mm. agent. But um, and what advice was he giving you during this the whole process of of dropping out of the league? I think he's worked with people that have been in a similar position, and it was almost just trying to get that adaptation from full-time yeah. football to semi-professional football because um, he has a vested interest in you doing well because then he shares some of the spoils doesn't he yeah um and he's he's been he, he was always great when i was when i was younger wasn't wasn't taking a fee it was always just doing it for for the fact that he believed in me to make mm. it as a as a professional um so yeah he, his advice was basically try and get that that adaptation done as quickly as you possibly can so that yeah. you can then sort of go back into it um so it was it was it was strange going from there, but like I say, then the difference between Gloucester being a, a smaller club, it was a lot of younger players. Yeah, budget wasn't as big. So then into Salford, where like you say that revolution of the club and they were heavily investing in, in what they were doing, it was just completely different mindset. The changing yeah. rooms were completely different. It was almost Gloucester you were playing with your mates, whereas Salford they were your mates. Did you but, see Ryan Giggs and Gary Neville and those people? Uh, so I think. Two of the games that I was there for, Paul Scholes was that, and then the last one we played Worcester, and I think all of them, bar one, were watching. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we saw them, but they weren't weren't involved in terms of floating around the club. You didn't. They they sort of kept their. I wonder how far they can go. Whether they can get a big 
fan base enough to, to warrant going up to League One Championship? What do you what do you think? I think I think there's potential for it. I mean, what they've put in place, the infrastructure obviously now with the new stadium. Mm. Um, I've got a, a friend who's the captain there now, Adam Rooney from he was at um, at Birmingham with myself. From Aberdeen player. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think attracting someone of his caliber to a League Two club when he's a proven goal scorer, like you say, at Aberdeen, he's played in the Europa League, mm. Birmingham City, all the other clubs he's been at, it just shows the statement of intent that they've got. Yeah. Um, it's funny because they've always got the opposite problem to Gloucester City or a different one in that, that Manchester and the North West Germany have so many football clubs mm. to compete with. There are a few disenfranchised Manchester United fans around there because of, I guess, the Glazers and also the connection with the, the Manchester United Old Boys. You can see them drawing people in from there but for you at Gloucester City it's kind of the opposite we're speaking even to the Cheltenham Town guys about this that in this part of the world it's almost an anomaly for the rest of the mm. country because you've got a lot of racing folk at yeah. Cheltenham races you've got big old particularly in Gloucester big rugby yeah. club as well you've got other rugby clubs around There's a lot of com- competitions there and people who are football fans might go to Swindon Town or Aston Villa or Bristol City Yeah. so it's, it's quite it's contrasting markets there isn't it yeah it's uh, yeah I mean like I say I've moved around and lived all over the all over the country and I've never known anywhere anywhere like this really <laughs> um, yeah everywhere everywhere that I've been people aren't football mad <laughs> no yeah fo- football has dominated conversations and um, yeah, I, I, there, are, there are people that obviously similar position to me that I'm friends with now who live in Cheltenham but aren't from here, and yeah. we're sort of there scratching our heads, going like, <laughs> "Just don't understand yeah. like, what, what, what do people talk about." Well, I'm a bit like that. I'm always wondering that like, people don't even know that Cheltenham Towns have got a football club. Sometimes no. just down, you know, Wadden Road, just down there. From, yeah, you know, that Sainsbury's go down that road, and you're yeah. You're well, they're, they're more likely yeah. to know the Sainsbury's than they yeah. are where the ground yeah. is. Um, no, it is it is quite bizarre. Um, Obviously, yeah, Gloucester, Gloucester rugby's massive, like you say, the races. So I think that's, that's it's great to watch local football. Even Cheltenham Town, you can just rock up five minutes before and go in and watch a good game. That's the thing yeah. that I love about it. And I think maybe as the town grows and develops, people will will appreciate it. Yeah, I think I think um, the off the back of them winning the national league, I think those generated more interest mm. at that point. And I think they've now obviously got a foothold back in league two. Yeah, um, Michael Duff helps, doesn't it? Being a, a Cheltenham boy, but Premier League player to come back. Yeah, definitely. I think it is very. Uh, very localized and, and having someone like like Michael Duff and then obviously Russ as the assistant that they're, they're known faces around around mm. the area so it's it's naturally going to draw people to come and do it and like you say yeah obviously with Michael Duff being ex Premier League it's it's an added attraction um, but obviously they do they do seem to be doing well this season yeah um, and hopefully they can build on that yeah I think they've had a few iffy results yeah. lately lost to Port Vale in the cup but Michael Duff yeah. said it would come because they've done well and they've been playing more expansive football and I think. Even Forest Green sat back against them. They changed their tactics. That's interesting how it constantly evolves and people at yeah. that level now with the access of footage can, can watch each other as well at League Two and, and below that as well. Um, but what, so take us back to a year from, from uh, today or roughly this time you were playing at Gloucester City. 25-year-old, mid-season, you decide to call it a day. What, what was that process like coming to that decision? Um, being honest, it, it probably been coming for a little while. Um, I, mm. I hadn't, really enjoyed, hadn't really enjoyed playing football. Um, I think even at the the end of the season with Hereford, um, we started started really well. Uh, well, consistently as a team. That conference Hereford, yeah. That was or, then that was then a drop down to Southern Prem. Yeah, which, oh, because they had to rebuild, haven't they, Hereford? Yeah, yeah. not the the old Hereford. Yeah. Yeah. So Hereford United obviously ceased, and and then they rebuilt just Hereford FC. Yeah. Um, amazing that they've managed to keep the ground and 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 keep the fan base yeah. and you think yeah southern prem and we were averaging 1500 people to to every game and mm. weren't even getting that at cheltenham when it was when it was league 2 so um they're very very loyal fans historic and, club yeah yeah huge huge history sat behind it um and everyone there seems to have a 
a real sort of will for it to get back to where it should be. Um, and I think that was one of the biggest draws for me was uh, speaking to the manager, Pete Beadle at the time. Um, what was the point of saying that you're going to be playing in front of all of these people? Is there there is massive attraction yeah. around, and we we ended up having a great run in the FA Cup. Um, we got to the the second round proper, got a replay with Fleetwood. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they got that FA Cup legend, haven't they? With Ronnie Radford, and yeah, yeah, Ricky George, people like that. Yeah, yeah. So we we then did the we then did the uh, the FA Cup draw live from Hereford, and obviously it was we were still in we had the replay to play, but the winner was then going to be playing against um, Leicester City and at home as well. So fans were obviously getting excited that we were then going to be playing Leicester, and um, it was a, yeah, fantastic season achievement wise for for the club, and, and another year of a, of a promotion. Um, I think it was the second or third back-to-back promotion that they had and people were almost sort of thinking like, when's it going to end? Because inevitably <laughs> it would at some point. Um, but I think, yeah, probably about halfway through the, halfway through that season, things just started to fall out of shape a little bit for, with myself personally. Mm. Um, and I'd say that, that sort of love for football, it almost was started to become a little bit more of a chore and the enjoyment level wasn't really there. Um, and I went through some mental health, mental health issues at the time as well. Really? So... Um, yeah, was was diagnosed with with depression at the time, which for me was bizarre because you just don't you don't see it coming mm. until it's obviously there. And whilst you're in the midst of but it, it's also it's natural. Still... It's not like the circumstances to have the situation where you're playing at Birmingham City and to to have a dream of being a professional mm. footballer. It, it's understandable, isn't it, that, that that you would be down at a period like that? Yeah, I I think over over a short period of time, my life had changed a lot. So mm. it was it was then trying to process all of that and and having a young family and trying to do everything all at the yeah, same time. Yeah, a lot of responsibility, it's, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but I think like that that's that like I say partly had had a, had a had a piece in in why I started not to enjoy it. Yeah. But you started twenty eighteen nineteen at back at Gloucester City. Yeah, and that was very much with the under the under the sort of head, headspace just to be. I know all of the lads because I played with them for for the not the year before, but the year before that, a lot of them were ex Cheltenham Town boys, so yeah. they were at Cheltenham with me anyway. I think pretty much we we played. It wasn't that season, but the, the, my first season at at, um, at Gloucester, we we played a friendly against Cheltenham Town in pre season. And I think all bar one of our starting eleven had some tie to Cheltenham Town in it, which was quite bizarre, really. Yeah. But so it was, yeah. Going back into it, it was very much. A, I'm doing it. Mark Richards was Did in you, charge. Just want to have fun at that point. Yeah, playing with my mates, just getting yeah. a level of enjoyment back from football. And and like I say, I, I'd known Rico for a few years um, from obviously the time at Gloucester, but then also doing some work with Hartbury and things like that. That. I'd got on really well. College. Yeah. yeah, so I did my UEFA B license um, through the PFA at Hartbury, and then off the back of okay. it, did some coaching. Was that under them. Shane Duff? Was it? Was he doing? Because he does some of the instructional stuff there. Isn't that he? was with uh, Mike Cook, who actually wow. then was recently, up until recently, lost the manager. Ah, okay. um, so yeah, Rico Rico was there, and I got on really well with him, and I think he's a fantastic coach. Uh, he's very much modern football, getting it down and playing, doing things the right way, mm. even if that means that you're potentially going to sacrifice. The pitch is good enough for that down there. Some of them not, but <laughs> I think even just to have the encouragement to to want to do it was was a big draw. Um, yeah. I think if it was if it wasn't for Rico, I, I probably might have knocked it on the head at that point. But yeah. having him as a draw to come back into it and sort of say, literally just come and enjoy playing football again. You did say, a business role for the club as well, were you at that point? That was my first season. I did uh, a little bit of the commercial work mm. for them. Um, that was sort of my my dad's line of line. I gave you a taste of, of that. Yeah, you, like, you must have liked it, I suppose. Yeah, there were elements of, of business. That, that's the first time I've been exposed to business. Um, 
which was something that I'd never thought of because, like I say, I'd always just thought well, I'd be a professional footballer, so I don't yeah. need to worry about yeah. that until I'm until I'm a lot older. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, enjoy doing it. But then obviously that's when the loan period at Salford started. So that then stopped as well because mm. I couldn't really be doing the commercial work for a, <laughs> a rival <laughs> no, no. team when I was playing. So you went through so much there. change in a short space of time. And then, so midway through last season, then, then what happened at that point? Did the, the pressure return or was it just you got a job opportunity? It was, I think at the, at the time, it was just evaluating how much time football was then taking up formal life because you think Tuesday, Thursday training, but I'd started my role at, at Nutrition X. Oh, at had that you, point. yeah. Um, so I'd started in October. So I'd been doing it for about two months. Before I then stopped, were they supportive? Football. Yeah, hundred percent, and and would maintain to be. So there's, there's there's other guys that work for us that still play local football. Yeah, um, and yeah, very much so. If there's a game on a Tuesday night and you needed to leave early, then no problem, go and do it. And and I think as a company, our ethos is well. Obviously, we're based around sport, but we like to have people working for us that have an interest in sport, and mm. if we can then if we can then be supportive of that, then, then that's great. It makes you a lot easier to be authentic when you go to a club and, and speak enthusiastically, isn't it? Because yeah. if if you're not interest in sports performance it's, yeah. it's tough to, yeah. to sell it to someone yeah exactly um, but no the, the company but the company were fantastic with it um, but it, there were certain days because obviously the offices were based out in Gloucester and we were training at Hartbury yeah. there was no point me going driving back home to then come back you, yeah, out to training Cleave, yeah. yeah so it was it was logistically just wasn't going to work Bishop's Cleave to the way. north of Cheltenham for people who aren't who are listening it's the other side of other side of Cheltenham from where Gloucester is yeah so it was uh, it wasn't going to be straightforward to go do it so I was leaving I was leaving uh, leaving the house at sort of 8 o'clock in the morning and wasn't coming back until 11 o'clock at night once I'd finished training and mm. I'd just had twin boys at the time as well they were oh, a couple of months old so it was all changed again in that sense did you have some big conversations with your partner then around this to help the decision process or was it an internal thing that you went through uh, a little bit of both really I think I think probably from speaking to her, the writing was pro- probably already on the wall. Yeah. Um, it was almost, there was probably a, a level of fear of the unknown of, of actually stopping though. Yeah. Because like I say, I've, I've done it every season since I was 14 years old. So that, that first pre-season where I wasn't doing a pre-season was totally bizarre and just didn't, <laughs> didn't know what was going on. Um, in many ways though, I probably haven't missed it as much as I thought. Do you feel I was. relief in a way because you've had so many years of of that uncertainty? Yeah, pro- partly, um, and then and then with the business in the period that I've been there for just over a year now with with, with Nutrition X and it's uh, the evolution of, of the company is is crazy. We're mm. we're doing we're uh, building so quickly um, that that's naturally taken up a lot of a lot of my time anyway. Um, so it almost all, all sort of seemed to fall into place at the same time that mm. I would move away from football. And, and initially it was the idea of having a break from it and then going back into it at some point. But obviously then working out whether I would miss it or not. Yeah. Um, there are still certain elements, like I say, being involved in that dressing room environment with a group of 20 lads. And... <laughs> Does it, is there, do you bring some of that camaraderie into the office in Nutrition X? Is it because you're, you're kind of sports yeah. folk? Is there, do you get some of that, that sort of banter? Yeah, it's, we, we have got a good group and uh, we're, we would like to see, us, see ourselves as quite a, a young and modern sort of innovative company that's, that's growing. Um, and I think that's all, that is all part yeah. of it. There are, like I say, there are, there are people there that, that still play football, so they've sort of got the same sort of stuff. And it's, it's an, it is a really enjoyable place Do you follow it? Are you a football fan? You follow I always followed Man United when I was younger. Yeah, um, no, me too. No, yeah. you're, not, you're not, you can't abandon shit now. <laughs> yeah, 
No, I was again through through my dad. Uh, he was brought up on stories of the, the yeah. babes, and my parents watched George Best play actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I heard yeah. that a lot growing up. Well, Duncan, Duncan Edwards was always sort of like our family hero, oh, wow. with yeah. him being like a Midlands boy, and obviously yeah. my dad as well. So we did passed away before your dad was even born. Um, Fifty eight. Yeah, me, me again, yeah. So, so it, yeah. bizarrely enough, my I, I might get this story wrong, but I think my. Uh, my my grandma was a funeral director at the time, and she was involved in his funeral oh, wow. or something along in those Wolverham, lines. Wolverhampton, yeah, yeah, where there was a tie of some sort to it. So, um, yeah, there was there was links there between it. So, yeah, again, had no choice but to be a Man United. So, legends live on, isn't it now? And sort of just from that from that era from nineteen fifties, Eddie yeah. Coleman and Duncan Edwards and everything like that. Yeah. Um, but I suppose you talk you talk about overthinking, and I, I think a lot of us can identify that who maybe didn't make it in professional football that perhaps we overanalyzed and weren't in the moment enough. Do you feel that? that mindset and is better suited to business in a way, that analytical mind than it was to football? Yeah, I think, I think so. Uh, but I, th- I still think even there are things in, in, in business that we're going through, like I say, a massive, a massive changes within the company now, which are all positive things. We're, we're sort of reaping the rewards of, of things that we've set in place and, and things that were set in place before I even started the company. So it's, it's testament to the work that was, that was already done. Yeah. Um, but I do still think there are that there are times when you can't even overthink it in business. It's like mm. if there's an opportunity, it's, it's sort of how measured you are. And I think one of the good things that we've got going at the minute is, bizarrely enough, overthink me overthinking things in football is now almost a role reversal yeah. in business. The MD that we I work with closely in terms of the the running of the company, he admittedly is probably the more cautious one, um, mm. sort of analyzing everything to the finest detail, and I'm a bit more of a yeah. let's just go for it and and sort of help tell with the consequences <laughs> type thing. So it's easy for me to say that, obviously, because it's not my money that's yeah. invested in it. And Especially it, when you're a young company, as well, you have to have a bit of that sort of uh, attack, yeah. attack mentality. Yeah, um, and I think, but it, I don't think it's just having confidence in in what we're mm. doing. Um, we seem to have all of the. The, the the groundwork's there and, and like I say we're doing really well working with the very best athletes and professional clubs with Cheltenham the world. With Gloss, yeah Gloucester, we're working with we're working with Cheltenham and with Gloucester Rugby so official partners to both of those um, so yeah I mean again tied into the local area we we, we released a, a press release it was quite a nice one for a, a local point that we were fueling pretty much all of the the top level sports teams around Gloucestershire so mm. Forest Green Cheltenham uh, Gloucestershire cricket, Gloucester rugby. Nice. Um, yeah, the cricket team's almost down in Bristol, which is always a bizarre twist. So they do yeah. play at Cheltenham Festival. But just Jack, to, to wrap up, because um, I think it's just about to finish this recording on an hour, so rather than do two. But what are your lessons from, from the experience in football? How, life lessons, because I've always wondered why we're so fascinated with it. It's part of the reason I start the podcast. Yeah. As you're a grown man, you start to think, why are we still obsessed with it? Do you yeah. think it has the whole experience of football? Has it helped you now in, in, in dealing with, you said, rejection, setbacks, and just being a people person as well, being able to adjust to new environments and now new customers and contacts? Yeah, 100%. I think um, it, like, purely because of the nature of the beast with it being so cutthroat, I think you have to, you have to grow up very quickly within football. Um, mm. I was always treated probably a lot more mature than, than my years when I was younger, but you sort of have to be because there's no reason why at 16, we, we still see it now, 16-year-olds are going and playing in men's, in men's teams and that's not just happening in lower league, that's happening in the Premier League still. So you do you do grow up quickly. Um, yeah. But yeah, having those life lessons, I think, are, are massive and it's it's not always positive. There are obviously negatives, but then I think it's it's down to the individual's mindset and personality as to how they how they sort of process those negatives. Some people would would really sort of overthink them and, and, and then it could end up spiraling into something worse than that. Other people, and what I try to lend towards myself now is turning those negatives into a positive. Yeah. And if it hasn't worked in football for whatever reason, then 
make it work in business for something else. Um, I would sort of almost try and make the best of every situation. Roll with it. Don't get stuck yeah. in the past. Yeah. yeah. Can we follow you online or is it just Nutrition X and stuff like that? If, we wanted, if people wanted to be across your story and how you get on. I'm not that, not that sort of prolific on uh, social <laughs> media and stuff. I do have, I do have Instagram, so I, I yeah. do have Instagram, um, rarely use it admittedly, but yeah. I'm much more active on Twitter. But, Instagram seems pressurized with the pictures, but yeah, no, exactly. But no, I try and still stay away from that. Try and lead quite a, private life almost yeah. but no yeah obviously nutrition x wise we're, we're across we're across social media and, and online as well so there are a lot of big things happening with the business which we're really excited about so a lot of it obviously is is yeah. county based but more worldwide and as well so if people wanted to to track how we're doing they'll see the teams and stuff that we're working with so good man jack thank you best of luck with it all thank great you. great story really appreciate it. guys hope you like that uh podcast with uh, jack damon former cheltenham town player birmingham city player hereford united player as well uh, do rate the podcast on itunes if you can and i'm ed draper 81 on social media get in touch if you liked it speak to you soon thank you